And we're off. And we're back. Back at it. That's kind of my new line to start us off. I know. And we're back. I know. You I know. kind of stole it from you. I don't know that you did. I think <laughs> I think I just kind of jumped in with my own thing. I got I got my own ideas. That's right. Yeah. Well, welcome back. How Here you we doing? are. You know, man, a little sleep deprived. That for sure. A little or a lot. A lot. A lot of sleep deprived. Um, body is healing and working on concussion stuff, but um, you know, Gianna still gets up throughout the night and it's really been a test for Steph and myself. It's been very interesting. Yeah. I feel like, feel like not enough people talk about this, the, uh, the experience of what the dad and mom goes through in the first, you know, especially month or two. Yep. But I just assumed it'd be something way different and Gianna still really needs and wants Steph and trying to just get used to it. Yeah. And the more, the more I've brought it up to other parents, it's like, oh yeah, it was like that for me for the first year. And I'm like, why have I never heard about this? It's very, it's very interesting to me. I, yeah, I've heard that with other things as well. Someone told me that about the, about menopause with women that no one ever talks. I forget who I was talking to, but they were saying they wanted to write a book about it because no one tells you that this is going to happen. And then it just happens. And yeah, I feel like it's one of those things where like, even if, you know, if you would have in the marriage prep talk, talked about it, I'd be like, yeah, that won't be us. Yep. You know, like you're not really interested until you're going through it. And then it's too late. Then, There's, yeah. then we're already fighting. Yeah, then, we're, then it's too late. <laughs> then I'm like, why, why didn't anybody tell me? And I'm like, well, I probably wouldn't have listened to it anyway. So we had in seminary, we had, they would do like these leadership seminars. Yeah. And I think it's kind of similar because the leadership thing is like, guys just were checked out. Yeah. Cause they're in seminary and the intentions were always really good, but they're kind of like, they don't care about like being a leader and finding right. like they're getting their parish staff to interact well and having a vision <laughs> and good conflict. And guys were just, they were ruthless. The poor guys who led these kind of leadership trainings for us, man, that was a rough crowd. I would imagine like you're in the moment. You're like, dude, I just want to, I just want to become a priest. Then I'll deal with it. And then I'll, then I'll focus on how to get my team to communicate properly. Especially yeah. if you don't even know, like in that, you don't even know where you're going to be assigned. Like you're kind of, it's all this hypothetical. It's just abstract. Yeah. It's yeah. hypothetical. It's abstract. Yeah. It's kind it's, of like that with this, you know, it's like I wake up and I, throughout the night, I want to get up and be there for Steph. And like, you know, you're waking up at 2 a.m. and she's got to feed and then all sorts of stuff. It's like, well, okay, well, I'll get up. I'll wash the bottle when you're done. I'll, you know, like whatever it is. But it's definitely, it's a challenge. So anyways, that's my life. Shout out to all the parents out there. Real, the struggle real awakening. Is real. Hashtag the struggle <laughs> is real. I was talking to yeah. someone uh, and I was like, man, Steph and I just, we have so much respect for people that are kid, like multiple kids. Yep. And um, it was actually, Chris Stefanik was joking. He was like, yeah, it's because you eventually forget how rough it was. So then it's kind of the sweet phase. And you're like, let's have another. Yep. And then you always like, it's like you get into it. It's horrible in the moment. And then right on the other end, you're like, yeah, let's have more kids. Oh my yep. God, I hope that's the case. <laughs> that's how, you know, I had dinner with them the other night and it was uh, super fun. We went to Sushi Den. Nice. They're, they are sushi people. They and I, sushi has really grown on me. It's And phenomenal. that place is, I'd never been there before. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to do it proper, that's the spot in Denver to go. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And we just had a great talk. I love Chris and Natalie. They're yeah, just, they're the best. They're awesome. But. Uh, but I was going to say, that's kind of like the Camino. 
So if you don't know about the Camino de Santiago, it's a pilgrimage in northern Spain. Santiago is on the western edge of Spain, and it's where St. James is buried, the apostle. Mm. And it's one of the, um, after Jerusalem and Rome, it's really the most ancient and popular pilgrimage site in all of Christianity. And I've done it twice, and it's just like that, where, I mean, it's not just like having a baby, <laughs> but you could see the obvious parallels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but it's, it's like a baby in the sense of what you said. When you're doing the Camino, it's awful. Right. Your feet hurt. You've got blisters. You smell bad. You're sleeping in hostels. They actually call, they call them out bergues. Uh, and then as soon as you finish, you're like, that was the best thing I've ever done in my life. Totally. When are we coming back? That's right. Yeah. It's, and God, it's so funny when I'm on such a tangent, but it's even like that with football. Like mm-hmm. I look back and I'm like, you know, especially as we're just now starting the football season um, and thinking to myself like fall camp was the worst thing. You have like 30 days of just, you're there first thing in the morning, you're there all day, you leave at like 10 p.m. and you're back at it the next day, two practices a day. Yeah. It's the worst. Like, I don't know why anybody ever wants to play going through that. And then the minute you're done and season starts, it's like you've blocked it out and you've moved on. And you're like, oh, okay. And you're just back into it. Yeah. And you somehow totally forget it. Life's funny that way. We should do that with, I mean, lots of things I think are that way. RCIA starts tonight. That's right. And I think people... The commitment is a lot. It's a big commitment. It is. But then at the end of the year, people really miss it. They're like, that's wow, right. That was amazing. I miss Wednesday nights. What am I going to do on Wednesday nights now? So it's kind of like one of the, you just, yeah, you got to go just in life, put your head down and just one day at a time because otherwise yeah. it gets overwhelming. I mean, I was super overwhelmed with the RCA concept of like, wait, what? Seven months to be, I want to become Catholic now. What do you mean I have to go through right. this class? It's very interesting. Well, speaking of, that's right. Today, uh, folks, we thought we would jump into a little bit of talking about baptism, but then really identity as a human being, yep. but especially, of course, as a Christian. What does it mean to, uh, to find our identity through baptism? So who knows where it'll go? This is Gregorian rant. You never know where it's going to go. <laughs> Mostly because of Patrick. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. It kind of, but identity, it made me think of, do you like Zoolander? Man, it's, I do like it. It's been a while since I've seen it, though. Yeah. All these things are coming together today. I feel like that's a movie where I'm always like, man, it'd be great to watch Zoolander. And then I'm watching it and you're like, why the heck are we watching this? This is a terrible movie, (laughs) but it's very quotable. It is. Yeah. I'd say it's probably one of the more quotable movies out there. It has some really funny lines, but identity, I was trying to remember what movie this is from. And I clicked just a second ago. It's from Zoolander. It's when he's having an identity crisis. And I don't know if it's in a dream or whatever, but he, there's a commercial where he's a mermaid. That's right. You remember that? That's right. Yeah. And he, he like looks, oh, I think he looks down into like a puddle on the street and he says, who am I? And like the merman that's himself looks back at him and says, I don't know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So today we want to talk a little bit about identity and as it relates to baptism. Yeah. So. I- the this all got started. I mean, there's obviously a ton of hot topics right now, but Gianna was recently baptized, and Father Brian uh, performed the baptism, and you really just kind of like rocked my world with. Um, would you call it a homily during the baptism? Yeah, there's a homily okay. during the baptism. Yep. Um, and it, and it a lot of it. I think it really struck me primarily because of you know I've all, I've talked about 
mental health and all that kind of stuff that I love to talk about. But um, I think you see so much of athletes and just anyone in life that gets caught up in their identity being an athlete, being a football player, being a CEO, being a dad, any of that kind of stuff that as life moves on and you're no longer, you're kind of pushed out of that phase, all of a sudden depression, anxiety, my eating disorder, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and as you were going through the baptism, I really, you kind of struck a chord with me saying, and it really kind of brought it home with like, you're a child of God. And then it was like, well, how do you practically live that day in and day out? Because it kind of sounds like a, you know, like a chicken soup for the soul kind of like tagline. Yeah. But then, you know, and so I guess one is help me and, and just relay the message of like what the baptism is and what that means. And then how do we live that message practically in life when you are consistently inundated with things you want to be, you aspire to be? You don't make it. So then who are you really? And you get lost throughout, throughout life. I feel like it, you have these waves of, you know, you see the midlife crisis, all that right. kind of stuff. Um, so I really wanted to circle back on that because I thought it was just so important. And, and it really is kind of like the feeling I have as to why I'm a Christian and a Catholic. Right. But at the same time, like, how do you actually explain that and not always be in a position of trying to put out fires of like, well, I don't believe in abortion, all those things. It's like, there's a bigger reason as to why we're Christians. Yeah, these are more of the deeper things, right? Yeah. And this is more at the heart of like what it, what it means to be a, a Christian. Um, and there's different ways folks to talk about this, but, but one of the things I like, I think I talked about this at Gianna's baptism, but the, in the baptismal rite, the, the kind of highlight of the, the ritual is at the end, everyone prays the Our Father. Yep. And the, the priest or the deacon, whoever does the baptism, the line from the, the ritual says, uh, in the name of this child and in the spirit of adoption, which we have all received uh, as sons and daughters, let us now pray as Christ taught us. And Praise Christ what? As, as he taught us. As he taught us, okay. And so then you pray the Lord's Prayer. And it's really interesting. The, um, we pray the Our Father all the time. Yep. I pray it at least three times a day, usually many more than that. But we, we pray it all the time. And one of the dangers, of course, anything that's familiar, you know, can breed contempt. Mm -hmm. But but we just we go through the motions, we just say it. And one of the things the New Testament wants to say to us is that God only has one son. He only has one son. And for us to be able to call God our Father is actually something quite miraculous. It's something quite amazing that we can uh, be in relationship with God. And there's, there's all kinds of places in the New Testament that we'll talk about this. Um, I think of um, in Galatians. So in Galatians chapter 3, um, this is Galatians 3.27. St. Paul says, As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. And think in today's topic, right? That's an identity. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. in the ancient world, that's how Jews think of the world is there's Jews and Gentiles, but, but the Greeks become kind of a way of saying Gentiles. Yep. Because Alexander the Great conquered the, the, near ancient, the ancient Near East. And so there's Greeks and there's Jews. And Paul will use that kind of language a lot. But now Paul says, if you were baptized, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, even that radical. 
For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And that goes back to what Paul's been talking about earlier in Galatians. But what we want to talk about here is that you shouldn't be able to call God Father. God has one son. And that line there in Galatians 3.29, that you are Abraham's offspring. In Galatians 3, St. Paul is going to talk about all these promises God makes to Abraham's seed. Uh, the word there is literally sperma. There's an English word that comes from that. <laughs> um, but it means that's a Greek word for seed. But it's singular. And Paul makes a big deal in Galatians 3 that it's, the promise was not made to a bunch of descendants, a bunch of seeds, a bunch of offspring. It was made to one. Hmm. What Paul says, what he's saying here in Galatians 3, 27 through 9, is if you were baptized, you were, and this is the whole point I want to get at. If you were baptized, you were inserted into Christ. And so that's the only reason you can call God your father. And real, I have one line here from Pope Benedict. Um, and this is kind of the, he was the first person that got, got me kind of thinking about this years and years ago, but this is a great book he wrote called um, Principles of Catholic Theology. Uh, but anyways, he says this, he says, uh, he says this insight, and he's talking about being baptized and identity. The insight is deepened when we inquire more closely into the name of God. God is named here in the baptismal rite as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This means to begin with that God himself exists in the relationship of Father and Son, as well as in the unity of the Spirit. So God's identity is relational. It's a huge point. It's very simple. But think of your life, Patrick, right? Like before you were married, um, you would just through life, you're going to go through and you would say, I'm Patrick Deveni. I'm number 33. Um, I crush it on Gregorian rant, <laughs> whatever it might be. Um, but like, depending on where you're at now, you'll introduce yourself as, oh, I'm Stephanie's husband. I almost yep. said Stephanie's wife. <laughs> I'm Stephanie's wife. I'm Stephanie's husband. And as Jeej grows up, you're going to say, hey, I'm Gianna's dad. That's right. And so your identity has everything to do with relationship, right? Yep. And, that's, and so what Benedict's getting at here is that God himself, his, the, what his identity is, is can only be understood in relationship. The, 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 we refer to God as the father, but that's a relational term. Right. Right. It's not just like, who's your God? Oh, it's Harry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, we have a staff member named Harry. He really caught me off guard right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He doesn't just have a name like that, right? He has, he has, he has the name I am, but that's, that's not for this podcast. Okay. So let's hang with me one more minute. So, Pope Benedict goes on, God is named here as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This means to begin with that God himself exists in the relationship of Father and Son, as well as in the unity of the Spirit. It means also that we ourselves are destined to be sons. And this is the key, to enter into the Son's relationship with God, and so to be transported into the unity of the Spirit with the Father. Being baptized, and here this, I know this is like when I read things, it's hard to follow, 
And so maybe I'll repeat it once. But Benedict says, being baptized would thus be the call to share in Jesus's relationship with God. Right? The only reason I can call God my father is because I've been, I've come to share through my baptism in the identity of Jesus himself. And so now Jesus's relationship to his father is something that I share in because of my baptism. And so the last line here from, from Pope Benedict, at this point, we begin to understand why baptism can take place only passively as being baptized for no one can make himself a son. So this is deep. Gosh, that's deep. It's okay. deep stuff, but this is to the Protestant question of, you know, it's, I always find it ironic. You know, Protestants are the ones who accuse Catholics very frequently of us being, um, thinking we can earn a relationship with God. Yep. But Benedict's point here is that no one can make themselves a son. It's only something you can receive. And so this, this is a good answer. It's one way to answer the question about infant baptism is that you don't get to choose to become a son. It's a gift that's bestowed from, from above. And so I don't get to make myself, you know, if, I, if I'm a little kid, I can't come up to you and Stephanie and say, would you guys adopt me? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a really good student and I eat, I eat my vegetables and, right. you know, I do all the right things. Like it can't, it can't be that way. Uh, but I think more importantly for today's topic though, baptism forms our identity as Christians. And so what it means, and there's lots of implications for this, but what it means, and I want, I know you, we should talk about like the other ways we try to form our identities in life. And this is, these are deep waters, very deep waters of the ways that we try to name ourselves and find an identity for ourselves yeah. in something other than this. But as a Christian, right? <clears throat> the, our identity is that we become sons and daughters in the son. And if you're thinking with me here, if Jesus, if I am baptized into Christ Jesus, which is all over the New Testament, Romans chapter six, uh, if we have time today, which I'm sure we won't, we could talk about the, uh, the parallels in Mark's gospel between Mark uh, 15 and Mark three with the baptism and the crucifixion and the way they come together in baptism. But if I'm baptized into Jesus, that means his father is my father. Guess what? His mom becomes my mom. His siblings become my siblings. And if you understand baptism and the, the baptismal font is the entrance to the church, that's why it lords to the back. Because when you're baptized into Jesus, it's the entrance into the Christian life. And it's the foundation of the church because the church is the place where God is our father. Mary is our mother. The saints are our brothers and sisters because we take on the identity of Christ himself. And remind me again why I think this part's so cool. The um, baptismal font has eight sides. Yeah, that, that's another piece of baptism. So let's, let's read from Romans 6 here. So Romans 6 is the clearest place. Colossians chapter 2 is very good on this and chapter 3 as well in Colossians. But in uh, Romans chapter 6, uh, St. Paul says this, Romans 6, 3, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized uh, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
So the early church tells us that when the spear pierced Jesus' side in John 19, and now it flows what? Water. And? Blood. Blood. Yep. The early church tells us, and St. John wants us to see this, that, that the, the water and the blood are baptism and the Eucharist. Ooh. And so many deep things here, but Jesus is the new Adam, he's the, which means he's the new founder of the human race. And so Adam, what, what's similar to what happened to Jesus there that's similar to Adam? The rib? Yeah. Yes. Good job. Blow it up. Nice. So Adam, right, on the sixth day is when God creates Adam. Yep. And he puts him into a deep sleep. Jesus is crucified on the sixth day, on a Friday. In the creation story, the Sabbath, the seventh day is Saturday. Yep. So the same day of the week as Adam is put to sleep, Jesus enters into sleep, is what the early church fathers tell us, the sleep of death. And Adam, out of his side, comes forth Eve, his bride. Yeah. The early church fathers say that baptism and Eucharist create the church, which is the bride of Christ. And so as the new Adam sleeps, just like the, the first Adam, out of his side, his pierced heart, comes forth his bride, the church. So cool. Isn't that awesome? So yeah. the eighth day you asked about. So the reason this matters. So, so here in Romans six, and again, this is in um, Colossians chapter two and three as well. Paul says, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Right? That water comes from his heart. Now, verse four, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. One of the ways to say this is uh, when you are baptized, you die with Christ so that you can also rise with Christ. And the, the reason our baptismal font at Lord's has eight sides, which in the ancient world, that's how they were always made. Once the church kind of emerges uh, and becomes legal uh, after Constantine, uh, baptismal fonts were built with eight sides. And the reason for this is because the early Christians refer to Sunday as the eighth day. So the resurrection, right? So the, the world had seven days of the creation story. So in the original creation, God finishes it on the sixth day, the seventh day, Saturday, he rests. Yep. And then when Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Sunday, the, the New Testament understands this as the new creation that God makes all things new and he transforms them and he brings the resurrection. And so they call that the eighth day. And so our baptismal font, when you're baptized, you, you die with Christ so you can rise with him. So in other words, you receive the promise of the eighth day that you will share. If you've died with Christ, you will also share in his resurrection. Isn't that awesome? That's deep. That's all time. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a whole, that's a whole nother, podcast but how especially lords but the church was designed there's so many nothing's by accident yeah when you really start to kind of dive into it and you and adam hermanson did a great job with that mostly adam hermanson but I, it's it is just so fascinating i think um my question like and when you were going through this and i think in the homily with gianna you had kind of touched on like you hit those points and it's like we are not um I mean, really, you kind of become a slave to money, your work, your, yeah. you know, as your identity starts to form as you get older, how as a parent can I 
guide Gianna, and not only Gianna, I mean, really myself, into consistently focusing on the fact that you are a child of God. Like you, you read the New Testament, it's all over the place, but you're being baptized in. But then, you know, like I had, I had a parent ask me the other day, their kid is like obsessed with trying to become a football player. They're in high school yeah, and they're, you know, it's their main goal in life. And like, it kind of feels like I'm short selling, like I want to be like, go and achieve your dreams and all that kind of stuff. Like, and all that's fine. But the more that I've gone through life and, and I've always put things on a pedestal for me, it was always sports. Then it went to my own mom, right? So sports, all of a sudden that had an end date and I, I'm done playing. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, my identity is like my mom and I tried to provide everything for her and then she dies unexpectedly. Yeah. And it always kind of felt like, and there were several other things um, that I was always trying to achieve, but those things just like, it was like a stool for me and one leg kept getting knocked out. And then all of a sudden you're in this huge depression trying to find a new identity. Yeah. And the only thing that's consistent through this entire journey is God. But how do you kind of manage like, bringing up Gianna and saying like, Hey, great. You want to be an astronaut, go do it. But at the end of the day, like if you don't make it, that's fine. That's not who you really are. But I feel like life puts those stressors on you that are so challenging to kind of like always combat kind of daily, these temptations from Satan or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, That again, like I, I walk away and I'm like, yeah, I'm a child of God. And the next day I'm like, man, but I really need to, buy that house in Hawaii, you know, yeah. like how do you kind of battle that? And what does it really mean? Cause then as you, also, as you kind of say that, like, then it also like, the more I learn, it makes me more mad when I hear people say like, and when you read that verse, I th- believe it was from Galatians where it was like, you're no longer a Jew or a Gentile. Like you are a child of God, no matter your color, your race, you look at anything happening in the world today. Yep. If you're a child of God, none of that plays into it. Yet somehow Catholics and are always being lumped into like, you guys are bigots and blah, 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 blah. And if you really kind of like start to understand it, it seems like it's not, that's not even the case. That's not even enough for debate. Like right. if you're, you're a child of God and that's all that God sees, not color or circumcision or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. And, and so think of all the things we, and I, I think Patrick, you said it really well. I think the, the first step in this is to just look at your own life. What are the things you put your identity in? Yeah. And I've done this, I'm as guilty of this as anyone, right? And so I had periods in my life where I was actually a decent athlete, believe it or not. Yeah. And that was my identity. I was like, this is who I am. Um, I still do this. I still like, just recently, one of the other priests was telling me about something another church is doing. And my temptation is, well, I'm only, I'm only good and I'm only loved, right? I think what this all comes down to is that all of us so desperately want to be loved. That's right. We want to know that we're okay and that we're loved. And the way I still do this, brothers and sisters, is I'm only as good as my last homily. Yep, yep. And I had this, I've had this this week where there's other people out there doing great things and my temptation is to think, well, crap, if they're doing great things, I must not be valuable unless I can do that as well. And one, I think one of the simplest lessons of life, but one of the hardest is to learn how to just, I, I think of like, like little Gianna and right now she's still, she's so young, but I think of like, like when she's three years old, when a child uh, doesn't have to worry about what they have to perform, 
but they can almost just relax. And I can, I just picture Gianna falling asleep in your arms. Yeah. And just, who is she? Well, she belongs to somebody. She belongs to you and Stephanie. And that's enough. And it's actually the thing that we all want more than anything else is we just want to know we're okay and that we're loved. And I feel like that's where it's like, it's so easy yet so hard with scripture and God, right? Like if that is your focus and no matter what, and I think that's why like Roman things like Romans 8, 28, you know, it's not my will, it's all God's will. And, and that helps, that helps me to get through any of the curveballs that life throws my way, you know, like mom dies. Okay. Well, I don't know. I genuinely don't know if I would have met Steph or had Gianna if my mom didn't die. Right. And I could see that now, but in the moment that really sucked. And that was, again, that was kind of like my identity. And, but at the, you know, I could go home and be like, well, I am a child of God, but God for me, just personally, is it a matter of like focusing again, throwing yourself back into scripture to feel the love of God? Cause it's not, you know, it's a, it's a very holy book, but it's a book and this relationship mm-hmm. and we all want and strive that love to know we're loved, but it's also like, it's not a physical hug that you get from my mom. Right. right? Like, so, and, and everyone's broken. That's the other thing that I always kind of struggle with too, is like, in all our relationships, when we look back and mom and dad got divorced when I was in first grade and this and that, and, you, and therefore you start to build these things of like searching for that love and validation. Yep. But it is for me challenging to always kind of go back to like, again, I know God loves me and I'm a child of God, but it's a lot of bad things happening and I want the physical, tangible love. It's hard to kind yeah. of like- And I, I think, I mean, scripture of course is massively important with this, but the reason yeah. scripture is important is because of the story. Yeah. And so the, the way I would say it is, what story are you living in? And in our heads, <clears throat> over and over, we tell ourselves stories about ourselves mm. and about the world. And the reason scripture is so important is because scripture tells us the story that we're in. Right? Like, um, some people live in a story where the story of the world is whoever has the most toys when they die wins. Yeah. Yeah. And there their story is that story. Their story is about how do I get a house in, uh, in Malibu. Right. Right. Um, some people, they, they, they live in this world where everything's evil and everyone's out to get them. Yeah. And only when you know what story you're in, do you know how to behave? And for Christians, right, this is why this matters so much is that the story I tell myself in my head all the time is that people will love me if I'm a great homilist. Yeah. And if I am a great leader and I get programs going and our youth groups, you know, kick and tail and things are well organized and well run, then people will love me. And that's the wrong story. The story that, that, that is the true story, the real story of the world is this is a story about our identity. Like, and, and maybe a great way to do this, right. Is, um, I've preached about this before at Lords, but one of my favorite images of this is the Lion King. Okay. Do you remember this? <laughs> no. So, so if you think about Mufasa and Simba, mm-hmm. which the Lion King is objectively the best Disney movie ever made. And if you disagree, I will fight you. By far the best soundtrack. <laughs> right. That's for sure. Right. 
Morgan, I think, would fight for Tarzan, Phil Maybe, Collins. That's fair. Moana, too, is pretty good. I've never seen Moana. Oh, what? I know, sorry. <laughs> okay. Anyways, okay. But anyway, so uh, memory and, and who we are helps us live a certain way. Yeah. And so, so I think, like, um, remember that scene? So uh, Simba has run off. And he's following Timon and Pumbaa in the jungle. And he's left behind his home. Yep. And he goes off to his kind of college years, right? And basically, he's partying in the jungle. And there's that one scene. So uh, Rafiki, the baboon, right? He's chasing him through the jungle. And he's chasing after him. And he comes out open field. And you remember what happens? No. Simba appears to him in the, or uh, Mufasa, his father, Simba's chasing him. Mufasa appears in the clouds. That's right. That's right. And he talks to his son. And this is, this is a moment. This is baptism. This is a moment. This is identity. And so um, Mufasa looks, he, he is a cloud in this scene. And he looks down at Simba and he says, Simba, you have forgotten. And do you remember what, how Simba responds? No, I need to watch this again. Yeah, this is a beautiful scene. I always, I, my congregation knows, I joke that sometimes Disney movies, Disney does some really evil stuff these days, but some of the stuff they do, I'm like, man, that's so Christian. Yeah, um, I, I'm, yes. So Simba says, what do you mean? Like, you're my everything. You're my whole world. And he says, you have forgotten who you are, and therefore you have forgotten me. Um, and the point, right, in that story is that if you know who your father is, and Simba comes from this noble house, his father is a good and noble king, and he raised his son a certain way. And when Simba forgets that that's his identity, is that he belongs somewhere, he is loved, he is the, the royal son of the king, he doubts himself. He has a self-hatred because he thinks he's the one guilty for his father's death. And he runs off and he looks for his identity somewhere else. Right. He, he runs off and That's he, right. right. And he looks for just, Hey, um, it's not, don't worry, be happy with Hakuna Matata. Was that right. Uh, such a wonderful phrase. Yeah. <laughs> it means no worries. <laughs> it means no worries for the rest of your days. Yeah. And that's, and like, that sounds appealing. Hey, no worries. Just, just lay back. But Simba forgets his identity. And damn it, this is powerful. Okay. Isn't this powerful yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so here's the thing. Baptism is about Christian identity. And at Gianna's baptism, what I what I preach about at a lot of baptisms is John chapter three with Nicodemus. Um, and so let's look at that really quick. So in John three, no, like a flip right to it. In John three, uh, when Nicodemus uh, comes to Jesus, um Jesus says, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, here's where born again Christians, that, that phrase really comes from uh, here from John chapter three. But what does that mean? So, so hang with me. So unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? 
can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Right? This is again, you hear the phrase born again, born again Christians is where it comes from. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, by the way, when Jesus says truly, truly, he's taking an oath. But Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, uh, I lost my spot. Um, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So I go off on this forever. But when when in Jesus' life is there water and the spirit? On the cross? I don't know. That's is there too, actually, which is good. And that's actually a really good connection. There's one other spot. Yeah. It has, to do, it has to do with our topic today. Oh, baptism? Baptism. Okay. When Jesus is baptized, he's baptized with water. Yeah. The Holy Spirit, the, the heavens are opened. The Spirit falls on him and the Father looks down at Jesus Oh, I and got there's this. a moment of identity, he says. This is my son with who I'm well pleased. Did I nail it? You nailed it. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> Scripture scholar here, man. With my Mufasa voice. You like Mufasa that? voice. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, but that's a moment of identity. So born again. So um, Jesus right? is born of water and the spirit. And, and one more line here, this goes back to John chapter one. So we have to read scripture in context. And in John chapter one, um, we're here in verse, let's say 10, it says he was in the world, meaning Jesus, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home and his own people received him not. But to all who received him and believed in his name, and here's the key, he gave power to become children of God who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And this, these are deep things, so hang with me one more second here. So listen to that phrase again. Those who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but who are born of God. What, what John wants us to hear there is that that's how Jesus was born. So think about this. Jesus wow. was born not of blood. Yeah. Right? His conception did not happen through Joseph. He was not born of the will of the flesh. So he was not conceived right, by fleshy, fleshly desires nor by the, the will, the choice of men, but who are born of God. Jesus is, the spirit falls on him, or I'm, I'm sorry, falls on Mary, and he is born, he's conceived. And what John chapter one wants to tell us is that you and I, if, if we are born again, tying to chapter three, the same thing is true of us. And so when people look at Jesus, and I love preaching about this at baptisms. When people look at Jesus, they think they know who he is because of what he does or because of where he's from. But the Christian knows when they read the New Testament that the true identity of Jesus is not that he's from Nazareth or even that he's from Mary and certainly not that he's from Joseph. The true identity of Jesus is that he's from the Father. Right. And what the, 
what's true of Gianna now and of all of us, if you are baptized, your identity is not how good you are at things. This is what we all do. We think people yeah. will love us because I'm good at things or because I'm smart or I'm charming or I think God will love me because I checked all the boxes. Yep. Yep. What your baptism means is that your identity is none of those things. It means that you can actually rejoice and just be a little kid again because you're from God. Gosh. So my note here, um, what, like, do you think this is a, a fair litmus test then? Kind of just in general, if in life you find yourself depressed, envious, you na- like any of those kind of feelings, resentment, any of that kind of stuff, really I'm kind of focusing right now on like, envy or depression, uh-huh. then you're not focusing on the true identity as a child of God. I think that's certainly true. Yeah. Because if you're, and if that's the case, and if you can, you find yourself in that moment and you're like, man, I didn't make the team. No one's going to love me. I didn't, whatever. I didn't get the job promotion, any of that kind of stuff. You're really focusing on other things other than what really matters yep. through the baptism. But in a weird way, I kind of, I mean, where, I think this is where you're saying that if you can, you live like a kid, you have the opportunity to really kind of go out there, put yourself out there. You can become great. Mm-hmm. quote unquote, great from societal standards yep. and really go and try to achieve things knowing at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. And if you can kind of keep yep. that frame of mind, you can achieve amazing things. And that's fine. That could be a byproduct of just going right. out there and being a child of God. But knowing that if you fail, that doesn't really matter. Yep. Like you really could care less. And if you have success, you could care less as well. Yep. You just have this confidence of being a child of God that enables you to go do great things. And you can see this in little kids. Yeah. The, when, when, when kids are raised in a place where they just know they're loved. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're going to be the best of things, but they have a freedom. Yes. That some kids don't have. Yeah. And you can see it in the way they act on the playground. And in the way they walk in the hallway and the way they answer questions in class. The world is good and they just know it to their being, to the depths of their being. Yeah. They know that they're loved, then they never question it. That's right. And it creates freedom. And there's, and there's kids out there where their home life isn't as good and they don't know that. Right. And they struggle with that. And what I would, what I would submit to all of us is that actually all of us carry that wound. 100%. Every single one of us does. And so do I. And there's, one, one thing I want to kind of throw in here is there's a, a thing called the Institute for Priestly Formation, and they, they, they hit on this, and I like their little acronym they use. So they, they just tell priests in their spiritual direction program, they use just the acronym, they say RIM, R-I-M. Okay. And what, they, what those stand for, it's, it's Relationship, Identity, Mission. Hmm. Relationship, identity, mission. And what that means, right, is that <clears throat> what, what comes first is your relationship. Right? Gianna, and these, like, I'm not a psychologist, but psychologists say, right, that infants actually learn to even know that they are 
something in their own right and not a part of their mother by gazing into their mother's eyes as an infant. That that's actually how we begin to develop the sense of identity and separation that I'm not my mother and I'm not my father, but they look into the face of someone who loves them. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's these deep. are deep waters. That's deep, yeah. These are deep waters. Like we learn who we are by being loved. That's how, that's how we learn who we are. So relationship forms our identity. And from that flows our mission in life. But here's the problem, and, and IPF gets this right, and I say this to people quite frequently. What all of us are tempted to do is to put our mission first. And we say, my mission, we let our mission dictate what our identity Ooh, is. Yeah. And, and so we, we read it exactly backwards. So we go from R-I-M to M-I-R. And think about this. This is, I mean, this is very simple, yeah. but very profound. What, uh, and I talk to people again all the time, and I do it myself, as we say, we put our mission first, and so I have to do things. Yep. And that's who I am, is what I do, which is a lie. You are not what you do. Uh, but we, we, do, we do that to ourselves. And then what happens is, uh, if our mission isn't going well, we say, you know what I am? I'm a piece of junk. Yep. And I do this when I give, I mean, even within mass, I'll confess this to you. If I give a bad homily, the rest of mass, I'm sitting there going, just trying to pray and trying yeah. to let go of my bad homily. Yeah. Cause my temptation is to be up there in front of everyone and say, man, I am just a piece of, you know what? Yep. And that was terrible. And everyone is sitting in the pews. They all know it. Wishing they had gone to some other church today. Right. Um, And finally, the real diabolical thing is that we let our mission speak to our identity. And then we let that speak to our relationship with God. And so if our mission isn't going well, we think we're a pile of junk. And God doesn't really love me. That's right. And that is how Satan works in our life is he wants, uh, he wants to work this thing backwards. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So mm, that's deep. And now as you're kind of saying this, I guess, and with the question of like the role of the parent and really like the role of the God parent too, right? To reinforce the rim and all the aspects of the rim yep. daily to prevent Gianna or whoever, me, focusing on the MIR of yeah. life. I mean, I, I think, and I, you know, and this would be cool, like for you and to, to be a parent and experience this. I've never done this. My, my basic thought on this is that you and Steph, your guys' role with Gianna, is it, you know, if you sit her down when she's 10 and say this to her, she's going to be bored out of her mind. She's like, oh, you got that from Father Brian. Like, <laughs> Oh, here's I, dad uh, again. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think a much deeper thing is if you and Steph know this. Right. And so, so this comes back to like, what story do we live in? Do I live in a story where if I'm successful, people will love me? That's right. And in our faith, even Christians, right? Do I live in a story where if I'm successful, then God will love me? Or do I live in a story where who I am 
is that I have been loved from all of eternity mm-hmm. by, by a God who sacrificed himself for me, which tells me who I am. Right. Steph loves that song. There's that whole song uh, track that says, I am who you say I am. That's right. Right. Yep. Um, I, and that's so true. And we let, we let Satan in the world say to us that, you know, some kind of lie you are, you're what you perform. You're what you do. You're, you know what? You're only as good as, uh, your washboard abs or the size of your waist. These are, these are the ways Satan lies to us. Right. And, and oftentimes, you know, a lot of people who are, there are people who are driven and is very destructive and there are people who are driven and it's a freedom. That's right. That's what I'm thinking of right now. Yeah. And if we have the right kind of relationship with God, it gives birth to a freedom in my life where I'm free from mission, but I know that God's love and my identity are not based on my success. And the results of it. Right. And that's when I can actually in love and in freedom, I can lose my life. Not because I have to go earn something, but because I'm so safe and secure and I know I'm loved so deeply because I'm, I'm a son of God. And I share my, I share the identity of Jesus Christ. There's a one last line here. I actually, we should wrap it up. I've got to go. But in Romans chapter eight, a lot of good things are in Romans eight. Um, I think it's Romans eight, like 14. Let's see. Um, yep. It's Romans eight fourteen. So, so St. Paul says, all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Right? You do not have a spirit of fear. You're a son, you're a daughter. But you've received the spirit of sonship. Right? So notice how the, in this verse, the Holy Spirit is what gives us that sense of being a daughter or a son. And the Holy Spirit fell on you for the first time the day you were baptized. The, the Holy Spirit living inside of you confers sonship or daughterhood and it confers identity. He confers identity. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship when we cry, Abba, Father. Right? This is why the baptismal rite culminates with the Our Father. It is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Wow. Yeah, that's deep. Okay. I go on. Um, if you want more on this, I mean, even mission, the way it works, right? Like Jesus is baptized in Matthew chapter three and chapter four, he's sent out and he only begins his mission after he receives that word of identity from the father. Um, and that's our life too. Like you can't go on mission unless you know you're a son, unless you yeah. know your daughter. I think that's, and that's a whole nother topic, but that's my kind of next question is like, as you say that the most powerful way for me to um, pass this down to Gianna is for Steph and myself to live that and know. Yep. But then how do you then, like what's the next step of understanding? Because in that realm, if you take it just there, it's like, okay, no matter what I do, God loves me, right? And then there is teachings of the church and teachings like, how do you start to kind of like incorporate those and not from a like, oh, I need to know the right answer to blah, 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 or, or live every single day in this way. Otherwise God won't love me. Yeah. Like, again, it creates more challenges and how do you kind of start to incorporate that into a family life? Um, it's a model it. Yeah. I think that's the key word, right? Like 
Like if you, when you have failures and when Steph has failures, do you guys beat yourselves up? Because right. your kids will see that. That's right. Or do you, can you say, you know what? That didn't go the way I wanted it to go. It's okay. Yep. We're moving on. That's okay. And, and do you have a freedom in your life and a joy? And that's, I think, you know, this is why, by the way, rigid domineering parents as Catholics drive their kids from the faith. That's right. Because as much as they might tell their kids you're loved unconditionally, they betray what they think by their actions. Mm. Right? So true. Yes. They betray what they actually think deep down. And they, there's a lot of fear in, in some people's faith. Yeah. Real faith does not fall back into fear. Real faith says, I know I have to live a serious Catholicism. I have to follow Jesus. I have to be obedient, but not because I'm scared, but just because I am so secure and loved. Yeah. You know, that I, that I live from that place. And gosh, there's so many things here, but. Okay. Well, I need to go watch the Lion King. By the way, don't, <laughs> don't watch that new Cinderella. Did you see that? No. What did Disney do? That, right when you said that earlier, they're now the, the prince, the fairy. And no, not oh, Cinderella. Cinderella. No. Yeah. The fairy godmother. Yeah. That's Cinderella. Is non-binary. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah. Not Disney. Shapiro had a great comment on it the other day. It was pretty funny. And it was like, I forget what it was, but he basically was just like, lit it up. Anyways, I'll, you need to look it up. And it was, it was classic. I'll leave it there. So, but anyways, I'm going to go watch Lion Did King now. Did he say the fairy god birthing person? He, no, it was Instead the, of, the actor, mother, right? the, the actor oh. of the god, fairy godmother said, you know, if a fairy doesn't need to have a gender. And then Shapiro's comment back was like, yeah, but I think a godmother does. Like something like that. Yeah. It was like a great one-liner that I was like, damn it. All right. Well, thank you. That was deep. I really, yeah. Deep stuff. Send us an email, hit that like button, share it with friends. And I uh, will see you guys next time. Rant at lordsdenver.org.